You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Very good. So on that note, um, on the note of God being at work, there's a real... I hesitate to say this sometimes because it sounds generic, but sometimes when God moves, it's really obvious. And sometimes you have to look a little bit harder. (laughs) And I really feel like at the moment, going into this new year, that God's being a little bit obvious, (laughs) that he's working in this place. Um, And it's always fun when he's obvious because then we don't have to look too hard. But as we look at the wider world... And it feels, I don't know about you, but there's this sense, there's this running feeling that it could just at any moment collapse. (laughs) Some of the wider stuff going on in politics and other nations and just, it's just pretty wacky at the moment. There's this this sense that people are searching and looking and hungry for something deeper. Um, In our country that doesn't know who their prime minister is or what what we stand for, we're looking to ads like, I wrote down, there's a Gillette ad lately telling how a man should be. We're looking to products to tell us who, who we should be, what we should be. We just don't know. And, uh, and then there's this church um, that's been through pretty intense formation, both physically and I believe spiritually in the last two years, um, in one of the largest growing populations on the Gold Coast, let alone one of the largest in Australia. Um, and then I think about who God's had in this church uh, before the last two years and then who he's got also now and I think the type of people he's bringing in here with their gifts I'm like what are you doing um, it's exciting I mean what are you doing it's ex- who why have you got these type of people with these type of gifts you you don't put the type of people we're getting in here if God's not planning on doing something with us and so that excites me and so as I look at all that and we head into 2019 um, the question for me is, as a community, are we open, are we ready, and are we listening? Because um, I don't want to miss out on what he seems to be doing. And uh, I guess um, I feel this real sense over January with some time off, and January's been a bit slower here at the church, there's this sense that we need to pray. I know it sounds simple, but we need to pray. We need to be praying for God to speak to us and for actually not a prayer that's one-sided, but to be listening. And so the next two weeks, um, I'm going to talk about that. Talk about prayer uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, We have Alpha coming. If you don't know what Alpha is, it's a uh, great way if you know nothing about what's going on here or church or God or Jesus or you know heaps about it. It's uh, it's uh, it's about a seven-week course, I guess, um, that's made to be designed around tables and at people's homes and you run through the fundamentals of our faith so I'm hoping how church sees that as a refresher and I'm hoping we can all bring someone and let them know the hope that we have and so we want to be praying for that as well that that's effective and we're going to launch that in a month's time on the 3rd of March out here we'll have a big launch afternoon at 4pm and uh, we'll head off from there into different groups and run through Alpha so please It's an invitation this month to be in prayer. Um, And we'll get to some practical of that in a moment. So prayer, let me read a passage from Luke 11, 1 to 13. Um, If you don't know about the Bible, this just means it was written by a guy called Luke as he observed Jesus. Um, There's good, um, a lot of uh, 
thinkers or guys that have studied in this area, a lot of commentaries believe Luke was a physician. And so he's um, there and he's watching Jesus and this is what he saw. So from Luke 11, 1, 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples and he said to them, when you pray, who knows the Lord's Prayer? It's, um, who wants to be brave enough to try to give me the Lord's Prayer in, the, in how they learnt it? Come on. Samar. No, no, I won't pick on Samar. He did a great job this morning. Anyone feel like giving the Lord's Prayer this morning? Who's my wife pointing at? Who's she saying to embarrass? Okay, go, Rachel. That's cheating. Very good. Well done. Thank you for being brave. So both Luke and Matthew record this prayer. Slight differences um, in the wording. And it's, um, it's probably one of the most famous passages. If you went to a Christian school, if you've ever went to a church... Uh, I don't know if you've, yeah, it just, it's just everywhere. It's this, um, but sometimes, and let me read after that. So it's, yeah, it's fellow, uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's the shorter version in Luke. Jesus then goes on to say this. And he said to them, which of you has, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus giving this crazy example, because we know if someone was to knock on our, if our neighbor was to knock on our house and say, Give me something, I just had emergency visitors come over, likely we want to help. Not going, we're not likely going to say get lost. And he's saying this is similar to when we ask the Father. He's not saying get lost. He understands where we are and what we need. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give anything because he, he is his friend. Yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts. You say even the bad guys know how to give good gifts. So how much more? would the Father in heaven give us? He's speaking to God's character. And so we're going to spend the next two weeks going through the uh, Lord's Prayer. But first, a bit of an activity. What do we see in this picture here? You're going to have to be brave. A face? A guy playing saxophone? What do we see in this? You can yell out. A rabbit or a duck, a bird, some sort of pheasant. And 
What do we see in this? So people honestly see white and gold in this, and they're wrong. <laughs> it's clearly blue and black. Um, this uh, erupted on the internet. It's a bit of a late reference. It's probably so last year. Hey, girls, Edwards girls, so last year. I can't believe he's using this reference. Please. Does he even Instagram is what they're thinking. Um, but there's this, the point of that, simple, we see things differently. Whether it's our, uh, our biology, whether it's our experience, whether it's the way we grew up, whether it's our education, we all see the world slightly different from the next person. Um, do we agree? Well, that alone proves it. We see the world differently. We all have different ways, different philosophies in which we see we should live our life. And every now and then you come and meet somebody, or I at least do, and you think, I really like the way they seem to be living. I really like their philosophy of life. Uh, it might be a moment, it might be something you've seen, and you, I don't know about you, but we tend to copy them or want to know more about them. This is why when we, if you're married, you'll know that whether it's good or bad, at some point in your marriage, your marriage will look a little bit like your parents. Whether that's a good or bad thing, because that's what you've known, that's what you've copied, that's what you've seen. I know this as a father. Suddenly words come out of my mouth. And I'm like, Dad, is that you? Are you here? Because I suddenly talk like my father, because I was around them. I learnt their philosophy of life. I saw how they did things, good and bad. And then as we grow up, we learn other ways of life and we adapt and we, we learn new things. I remember um, there's this guy, as part of Churches of Christ, our denomination, there's a thing called You Know. And there's these guys that go put themselves and live in, the, um, in amongst a really, really, really poor suburb. Um, so the guy I know, John Owen, went and lived in a place called Mount Druitt in Sydney, amongst the poorest of the poor. Um, for those that live in Sydney... No Mount Druitt, um, it's a dangerous place to live. And he went and lived in there to be a witness to the community. Um, I heard this guy speak about maybe a decade ago, and I instantly thought, what a cool guy. I wonder what makes him tick. And about three or four years ago, I got the opportunity. Someone said he needs to be picked up from the airport to go speak at a local church. So what I do? put my hand up and he had to get in the dirty old Mazda that broke down, but it's no longer with us. And even I was embarrassed about that. Well, actually, he lived amongst, <laughs> so he was all right, but <laughs> I just wanted to spend time with him. I just wanted to see what he thinks, how he talks. I would hope that the proximity, like standing near him, sitting next to him, maybe some of that would rub off on me and maybe I could be more like him. Um, at one time, he put his hand down to change gears and I put my hand down there just to, no, no, I didn't. But I was trying to, trying to see if I could become more like him. And we all have heroes. We all do that from time to time. This is exactly what the disciples are doing here with Jesus. They have seen the way Jesus sees the world. They've seen the way Jesus lived. And they're saying, teach us to live like that except they see it's connected to the way he prays. Teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to see the world like you see the world, Jesus, because there's something amazing about it. They're not asking, tell us the magic words. They're young Jewish men 
they know the words. They have a whole book. It's called Psalms, and it's a book of prayers and praise. They're not saying, give us the words. They're saying, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to see the world like you see. The way you live, the way you talk, the way you are, it's different. It seems life-giving, life-changing. Nowhere else in the Bible do they say, teach us to heal, teach us to preach, teach us to pull coins from fish's mouths. That's the one I'd want to know. They learn from him, but the one place they actually ask in this way is God or Jesus. When you do this, it's powerful, it's meaningful. Show us, teacher. Or as they would have said, show us, rabbi, how to pray. And so he gives them the Lord's Prayer, how he sees the universe, how he sees the world. And it starts off like this. Our Father. And two words in, he's already been super offensive and he already would have rocked their world. Two words into the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we don't realise this because we know it so well. We hear it again and again and again and forget the depth of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father would have been slightly irreverent for him to say that. Do you realise in a time that God had all these adjectives attached to his name, Lord, the High Priest, all the, all the names, all the religious words, Jesus comes out and says, Dad, absolutely offensive, deliberate. We know it's deliberate because in Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, which actually means, well, it, the closest sort of translation is Daddy. So God is def- or Jesus is definitely trying to teach them something when he says, Our Father. He wants them to know right from the beginning of prayer that it's about relationship with God. That prayer is about relationship with God. It's not a distant force. It's not an angry Zeus-like character with lightning up there ready to strike. There's no babble. There's no adjectives needed. He says, Father, Dad. He was telling them, showing them that when we pray, it's like talking to our Father. He doesn't say, My Father. He says, our Father, he wants them to pray like this. You see, prayer is about relationship with God. We'll get to her in a second. Prayer is about relationship. It's not a religious thing. It's not a thing that needs lots of words. It is a relationship. And that's what Jesus foremost and first wants us to know this morning. A little bit of a disclaimer. This gets really difficult and hard if what you think of a father figure is quite wounding, you might have deep father wounds. Maybe today your dad was distant, angry, maybe even abusive, really strict. If that's you, I'm not going to go down that tangent today in this message, but I want to acknowledge that and I'm so sorry. Um, God wants to do some healing in that spot, in that place. Don't hold it in. Don't hold it back from him. He wants to show you what a good and perfect father can be if you let him. And so if that's you, 
can I ask you to pray for a reevaluation on the word father? Because God here is a protector, a provider. He's loving. He's always available, always present, and always leaning towards peace, forgiveness, and love. A father who wants to be here and help and listen. Please re-explore that if that's you today, because that's a hard word to get past if father means something different. A bit of an example of this, and I hesitate to use me as an image in line of a father figure, because I've got so much to learn. Um, I'm very young, young dad, make a lot of mistakes. I'm still learning what it means to be an okay dad. But I had this moment, I don't, a few of us had kids that started school this week, and on day two, my big girl Aria started Varsity College. And uh, as I was a bit excited to get out, we found ourselves walking towards the school, which is only a street away, only an hour early. And um, so I didn't realise, looked at my clock, oops, sorry Aria. And so we got a chance to sit down and have a baby Chino and a marshmallow. And we sat there, just one-on-one, and we spoke about nerves. Um, we spoke about what her teacher was like yesterday for her first day. Um, most of the conversation was her asking for another marshmallow. Um, I did, that didn't bother me. It was just nice to sit and talk. And even though she was asking for heaps of stuff, it was okay. Um, it was just really nice to spend that time with her. I'm so glad I accidentally gave myself an extra hour. Um, I didn't care. I just loved that she wanted to talk to me, uh, wanted to share with me. Our Father, God wants to sit, have a baby Chino with you and a marshmallow and he wants to hear from you in your way. Even if half it is asking for stuff and we know if we're honest, our prayers can be filled with asking for more marshmallows or the equivalent, but he wants to hear from you. He's our Father. Prayer is about relationship. Next line, our Father in heaven adds another level of depth to the relationship. Heaven means a couple of things. Actually adds something. Each word adds this incredible world of depth to this prayer and how Jesus sees the world. Heaven represents two things that I can gather from the commentaries and from um, theologians looking at this. It's kind of two things that it adds. One of these things says that God is not from around here in the sense that he is from a different, better reality. That feeling in you when you just know that this world isn't right, when we know deep down that the world could be better, that's a longing for a place. In the Bible, it names it, it calls it heaven. Roman Catholicism has kind of done a bit of damage with its artwork on this. It is not a place of clouds and harp playing, floating up to the sky and eating. What was that dip? that used to advertise heaven and was the two angels talking. Philadelphia? Philly, yeah. It's not, it kind of, I understand that that sounds peaceful, but that's not what heaven is explained like. It is the reality where things that are wrong here are right there. And God is from that place. He is of that place. Again, it speaks to he is not the abusive, broken, distant father that you may have experienced or you hear next door yelling at their kids. He's not that. He's not from around here. He comes from heaven, 
If that word, use a different word if that has too much attachment to the white clouds. He's from a perfect, where things are good and right. He is the perfect father. Prayer is about relationship with the perfect father. The other thing heaven means, heaven has two definitions. As said, heaven can simply mean air. The air. And so sometimes we think of God as someone that's way up there, far away, when this is saying the opposite. Our Father who is here. From a better reality, moving us towards goodness, but right here. Right here amongst us this morning, he stirs. Our Father in the air, in the heaven, in the air we breathe, you are here. Prayer is about a close relationship with the perfect Father. It goes on, I'll keep moving through. Holy is your name. Again, taking from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and Luke here, holy is your name. Again, this prayer is acknowledging that God is not the guy next door that has bursts of anger at his family. I don't actually have horrible neighbours. I'm just giving that example. So if my neighbours ever come here or for some reason listen to this, I don't know why. I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are fine. But maybe you have that guy in your street that has bursts of anger at his family. God isn't that father. He's not the dude you know that's always angry, ungenerous, always got something critical to say, looking for the negative, puts people down, holds on to grudges. God is beyond that. His name is sacred. Holy means set apart and worthy of worship, worthy of praise. This is what God says to Moses when he gives Moses his name. Listen to the way God describes himself in the Old Testament. Uh, the best translation we can have is Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, and we believe that says Yahweh. This is the name of God, and this is how he describes himself to Moses in Exodus 34, 6, 9. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Please note, this is amongst a time Thousands of years ago, where it was tribal, people would kill each other, they'd go to war, people would sacrifice babies to God, not Christians. This is a very primitive, dangerous time to be alive. And then a God says this, if, there wasn't, if you're not sure on the whole concept of God, these guys are either extraordinarily clever, <laughs> time travellers, or they've got connection with someone that can't be explained because these are, these are very progressive thoughts 4,000 years ago. The Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving, forgiving transgressions and sin, but who will be uh, by no means clear of the guilt? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses, I love this, quickly, quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. Thousands of years even before Jesus on the cross, God says, My name, I'm the Father who forgives, who is merciful, but is just. Everything will be made right. And he's worthy of praise as Moses got 
after he heard his name. Prayer is about a close relationship with the, the good and perfect Father who is worthy of our attention and praise. Your kingdom come. If you're looking at the clock and you're thinking, how's he getting through this? I'm only doing half the Lord's Prayer this morning. So, well done on the mass. <laughs> but I'm going to walk through this. Yeah, the last bit. Now, your kingdom come. Then Jesus goes along and says this. After he's explained the Heavenly Father, he says something so political that this is the type of thing they killed him for. Quick, quick context. You have Rome, who is this superpower, and they're so good at keeping the power. They invented this thing, crucifixion, where they'd hang the enemies of the empire by a cross on the roadside. So if you drove past, you might think twice about rebelling against Rome. Uh, it's invented as a political statement. So you have Rome doing that. They don't want to lose their control. Then you have this weaselly sort of ambitious guy called King Herod, who's somehow positioned, gone into the Roman guys and gone, I've got a proposition for you. I'll be king of the Jews and I'll make sure they obey you, but you let me do heaps of cool stuff in my area. And he did do heaps of cool stuff. He built a lot of awesome buildings actually. So he's very protective of his title. So, so much protective that his relative, King Herod, they kept the same name, a lot of them. He actually killed a bunch of babies in order of this prophecy he'd heard about Jesus. Wanted to keep his kingship. So think about that. Think about the fact that we know from the Easter story that one of the disciples carries a knife on them. So they're thinking they're going to war. Think about that. And then Jesus in the middle of his prayer says, your kingdom come. That's super controversial. He says that someone else is going to bring a kingdom. That's why that is a type of things. Them fighting words, you could say. That is the very reason or one of the reasons that they would have him killed. Very political, very deep, that word, your kingdom come. He's also teaching that something is coming, that something is breaking through. The order of things, the way of life, it looks different. It can look different. He admits it's hard for the rich to grasp, as said by Jesus, where the broken, the fringe, the outcasts are blessed and comforted, where the elite and corrupt get justice. It's a kingdom that grows in us, through us. It's a kingdom, these are always Jesus explains it. It's an invitation. He says it's like a seed growing, stirring. It's a place where everything is right. A place that our soul yearns for. Sometimes we only kind of put it down to this much and we just say it's a place where people get healed. True, but it's so much deeper than that. And the most amazing thing is Jesus is making a connection between that reality and our prayer life. He is saying prayer can bring the kingdom. Prayer does something in us and in our reality that shifts the kingdom. But we need to understand this before we go down that path. Lastly, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
He wants you to know, yes, the kingdom can move. Yes, reality can change with prayer. But it is in whose will? That's a question. Whose will is it in? God's. It's God's kingdom. Yahweh, the Father. It's not the person with the most degrees will. It's not the most professionals will. It's not the most experts on church, the most gifted will. It's not the will of a targeted Facebook marketer or an Instagram influencer, not the will of Google Answers, not the will of the loudest person in the room, not the will of the richest, the smartest, not the will of Gillette's vision for men, not the will of a fancy campaign. Don't get me wrong, Josh wants to use our gifts. If that's you, you're gifted. Josh, Josh said last week, sorry, Josh does want you to use your gifts, but Josh said last week through his sermon that God wants to use your gifts. But what Jesus is looking for in 2019 is a church that will boldly pray, Yahweh, your will be done. Bring in your kingdom. So kind of as I finish off, let me just bring this all home as we finish half the sermon, I guess. This is not a light prayer. This was never intended to be a prayer that you can rehearse it, but it was never meant to be a a prayer that's just a nice poem or thought. This is a deeply transformative way of seeing the world and bending reality with God. It's not light. It's actually a dangerous way to pray. Let me explain why this would be so dangerous for this church to pray this. Chances are if you pray for God's will, chances are if you pray for his kingdom, you will uh, journey with God, partner with God in changing things. It means someone or something will likely shift. You will likely start to shift towards his will. You might become more peaceful. You might become more loving. You might be stirred to be radically generous and radically hospitable. You might become more hopeful. People might notice something about you because you're just less anxious. Not perfect, but the formation. And then imagine if you dangerously pray, God, this week, bring someone across your path that you can invite to Alpha. Do you know why that's so dangerous? Because... I can't tell you what God will do in that place, but that sounds awfully like his kingdom and his will. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That's a dangerous prayer because you might actually meet someone this week and you might have this voice, this stirring, I better invite them to Alpha or something similar. And then you have to because you prayed for it. And then you're committed to six to seven weeks of going through Alpha with them. And then you're committed to mentoring and meeting with them and discipleship as, and, and maybe baptizing them over the Easter weekend. That's a big commitment. That's a dangerous prayer to make. I wouldn't say it lightly if you don't look like the next six to seven weeks are free. <laughs> Every time I've prayed that prayer, as a general rule, I've had an opportunity to share. It's not a guarantee I'm not making, but it sounds like God's will and it sounds like his kingdom breaking through. Ask for an opportunity this week to share the hope you have. And the dangerous thing is, you're likely going to find it. This is dangerous stuff. This is transformative stuff. This is crazy, life-changing, political, reality-bending stuff. 
and we're only halfway through the Lord's Prayer for the next two weeks. So my second point, prayer starts with a posture of submission in order to see God's will transform our will. Prayer starts with a posture of submission in order to see God's will transform our will. Teach us to pray. As we approach 2019, as we're in it now, we're in Feb, we're going, we're moving. As a church, as we approach a seemingly new season as a church, as we see something stirring, as we look to run alpha and tools like that, let us pray confidently to a good and perfect father who wants a relationship, wants a baby Chino and a marshmallow and some time with us. And let us submit to his holy and perfect will as he allows us to bend reality to his kingship and his kingdom. How about we pray? Father God, as we finish off this morning looking at half of a small bit of scripture, Lord, we are thankful for how your scripture is living and breathing and teaches us afresh today. We pray we can be challenged to be submissive to you, Lord. Of all the voices, of all the campaigns, of all the people telling us how to live, I pray that we could seek the good and perfect Father. The one that knows us, the one that has what our soul yearns for. Be with us this week. Holy is your name. Your will be done, Dad. And your kingdom come. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We won't finish with a song today, but the last thing, there is just one more. Oh, sorry, you probably turned that off. That's okay. Um, I'm going to leave it on the screen. There's a couple of opportunities to pray this month. 9 a.m. Tuesday, I'll be here for an hour. Um, I'll be here longer than that, but I'll be in this room and you can pray. Come in and pray for anything. We're going to partner with Village Church who are um, praying on Burley Hill at 6.30 to 7 every Friday morning. And then um, on the 18th of the 2nd, we're going to have a combined service and we're going to pray for some of Gold Coast leaders. On 24th of the 2nd, I'm looking at a prayer and worship service. And, um, and on top of that, can I ask for you to pray over this month, be intentional about these two things. That God's will be done in Burley Church of Christ. And that God would bring people across your path to share the hope you have in Him. And that God will use Alpha as one of the tools to bring Him glory. I'll leave that up on the screen. Come see me about opportunities to pray together. And um, yeah, see you out. I think Chris is pumping, so let's go have some coffee. See you out there.